Hello there, it's Jamila Jamel. Take a deep breath. Let your breath out slowly to the count of six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Do you feel better? Well, on my podcast, I Weigh, this month we'll be exploring ways to tackle mental health and feel better with guests like Simon Sinek from The Optimism Company, therapist Vienna Farron, comedian Neil Brennan, and many more. Listen to I Weigh wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, peeps. Help Me Be Me is underfunded and needs your help. If you enjoy listening to this or it helps you at all, please visit helpmebeme.com and click donate or visit me on Patreon. Thanks. Hi friends, it's Sarah May, and this is a power-up episode that I'm calling Tuning In to the Nature of the Ego. So this is really just to invite you to check in or become familiar with the mind machine. Basically that computer that helps us, keeps us driven and safe, but also at times hurts us in that it reduces us and lowers us to kind of our base level self. So the goal of this episode is really just to become familiar with your computer's tendencies. So you might choose despite it when it's not serving you. And by it, I mean just your inner narrative. Because yes, you are a thinking being, but you are much more than your thoughts. Your thoughts are a thing that happens to you in your body, but you are the passive observer behind them. So when we are overly identified with our thoughts, it can bring about a lot of pain. And it's a lot less painful when we can remind ourselves in the moment that it's optional and we can actually disidentify with the thinking in that moment. So here's what this power up is. It's an explanation combined with a series of thought exercises to do so you can kind of get to know your ego as a separate entity, um, separate from yourself. So with that, I have five exercises I'd like to offer you in getting to know uh, L9000. So the first one is a helpful reminder for everyone. And this is like a, it's a pretty probably commonly known uh, Zen practice. This one I got from John Kabat-Zinn, who's a a cool dude with a book or two. He wrote, um, Wherever You Go, There You Are, which I think is like one of those uh, books that's on every therapist's bookshelf kind of thing. <laughs> anyway, here we go. First exercise is called Just Do the Thing. So think of it like a Zen Nike ad. D- John Kabat-Zinn's version of it is just stir the sauce. So here's the explanation. There is so much more enjoyment in your senses and in your experience of life when we are tuned uh, into our moment, our present moment, and in our body. And we're actually in that experience versus tuned into like the ego's narrative. That's when we're missing a lot of the sensory input. So the next time you're not engaged with something like a podcast or a movie, like the next time you're just by yourself, I want you to just take mental note of your own level of distraction. Just kind of examine the noise in your brain. Mainly because I just want you to recognize ratio-wise just how much of your life is spent somewhere else mentally. So if you can't even begin to penetrate the noise wall in your brain, and if you're always kind of in that noisy state, that's just a clue that 
you've got to start to kind of rebuild a lot of the balance between presentness and being wrapped up in your inner narrative. So back to the tool. This is what I want you to try and do as often as possible throughout your days. When you catch yourself split, like mentally running around, no matter what you're doing, I want you to say aloud to yourself, just blankety blank, just drive the car, just do the dishes, just eat the cheese puffs, just take the bath. Whatever you're doing, remind yourself to step into the present experience of it and just do the thing you're doing physically in that moment. And what you might find happens, what I found happens, is all of a sudden you get some very specific sensory details that are really enjoyable that you would not have recognized. Like, like another couple of layers gets added to that experience. And it's a lot more fruitful. It's a lot more memorable. Like, for example, when I'm putting my baby to sleep, I might be going through my day, going through what I have to do tomorrow. And if I remind myself, like, just put the baby to sleep, then all of a sudden I'm recognizing the cute, adorable, snuggly sounds and stuff like that. I mean, that's like a, a glorified example, but like another one would be just sit in the car. So if you spend time in traffic, you might not want to do that. You might want to will yourself to zone out and not be present in your body. But when you remind yourself to just revisit your body, just for a second, just to see what it's like, you'll notice like, oh, the moon looks nice. Oh, I like this song. Wow, look at all the lights. It's just about reminding yourself how to really live in your life and in your body, even if you're not spending that long in that moment. So just do this throughout your day. And I, I very strongly believe you will get some pretty awesome emotion and richness out of it. That's the first exercise. Second exercise is called taste the groundlessness or ego poke. So this is the assignment. And then next week, I want you to really take mental notes about uh, an ex a specific kind of experience that comes about. Basically scrub for a moment that your ego gets poked. So when you find yourself looking for proof that you're right, when you get defensive. So here's what you want, I want you to do in that moment. Taste the groundlessness, meaning just watch it. Watch your ego. What does it say? How does it fight and bite and snarl? And last, I want you to laugh at it. Realize that it's not that terrifying to be to have your ego poked or damaged because you don't, you don't have to engage with the narrative that follows. You don't have to fulfill the rest of that feeling. You can instead just notice it, examine it, almost like a muscle twitch. So in that moment, I want you to remind yourself that your value is the same. You are unchanged. It's really just this reactive process that comes about in your body that makes you perceive yourself to be compromised. Like it, it's a, a defensive move that makes us feel like, I'm not seen, I'm not understood, I'm not respected. That's like the narrative that's triggered. So in that moment of recognition, this is really about reminding yourself that you have a solution and that there is a cause behind this. And the cause behind it is really just my computer. My computer needs to defend. I don't have to be so invested in what this means. But my computer is wanting to, like, redefine and push back on this 
threat to the operating system or whatever you want to say. So this is really about familiar, familiarizing yourself with um, this process in the case of a future emergency or some situation where you find yourself leveled by something that was so, you know, your ego was so invested in unbeknownst to you. And often that's a relationship when we we don't realize how invested we are in someone else's opinion of us or, or how that's making us define ourselves. And when someone else takes that away, it can make us feel like we have nothing, like we're compromised. Um, so this is really just reminding myself, I have, I don't have to follow this reaction. And we all need to feel powerful in multiple realms of our lives. And that is how we feel strong and confident. And when we lose power, our confidence can go with that. So this exercise is about disidentifying with that process. Well, basically taking a chip out of the iceberg that is that process. All right, the third exercise is called fear spotting. So we can't see it, but we have ambivalence. And that means just strong feelings in very different directions. And we have ambivalence all the time, even with what we perceive as our goals and the good things. So those two give us feelings of ambivalence. And that's because as humans, we struggle with anything that causes us to experience sharp contrast, newness, and big change. A large majority of all of our lives is constructed to not feel. Like to-do lists are really just a way of feeling secure. And, and that's healthy. I mean, that means you are operating stably. If you have a lot of stuff in your life that you do, if you have a routine, if you have all of these different lily pads on the pond that is your identity, that means you're a healthy person. It's not a negative. So when we have tent poles to our identity that are constant, we know we are okay and we're doing well. For example, that could be a job, a spouse, a child, a daily hobby. These are all reinforcements that allow the ego to feel oriented and sound. That means we are okay. We, we mean these things. These things define me. These things equal X value. So when one goes away, the ego goes into defensive spins. And for a lot of people, as I said, that's a relationship. Like when a person leaves, it can feel like, wait, but what does that say about me? And the ego loves having these supports to feel defined. Like the more supports, the more strong the ego feels. The value is what is needed to feel strong and defended. The ego also loves habits because it means we don't have to think about being vulnerable. We don't have to think about what we mean. So soothing is like uh, just busyness. It's like it shuts off our awareness. So in that way, Having lots to watch on Netflix is sort of like taking meds. Keeps us feeling busy and therefore inoculated against recognizing any potential feelings of lack. However, they're always there underneath it all just waiting. And therefore, the busyness just kind of perpetuates itself. We just keep being busy. It's, and it's really easy to move through life totally unconsciously and not even realize you're doing that. And also not realize how you even feel about your life because you're never going past that top layer. So that's a really, really long-winded introduction to this exercise. Um, I want you to do this exercise of fear spotting basically to get intimate 
or more comfortable with a fearful reaction and not react to it as something to be taken down by, but think of it as a sort of possible positive that you can lean into and learn from. So this is the exercise. The next time you get something that you thought you wanted, I want you to look at the fearful reaction that pops up. And this might not happen. I feel like it will happen in some instances in ways that you don't expect. For example, uh, let's stick with the relationship. Some people, when they find somebody that is available and that wants them and is like excited to be with them, then immediately that triggers this ambivalent reaction of like, wait, but I don't even know if I'm ready. That's fear. That's like the fear you didn't realize was already inside of you because you weren't in you weren't connected to your own feelings of ambivalence. And that can happen with a lot of things. It can happen with anything that signals change. So that's what I just want you to circle in in your own experience. Any reactions you have that are like, wait, but maybe I don't. It's like grasping for control. But wait, if I don't, I don't want to do that. Like, what's that kind of knee jerk? No. Whatever it is, study it, lean into it, and maybe even say aloud, This is my ego grasping at safety and control. Like put a little post-it note on it. And for me, when I do that, it also comes with a little chuckle. Like I'm like, oh yeah, that's right, ego. You don't like big change, do ya? And this is really helpful for recognizing that you have a current of resistance inside of you that exists all the time that might actually be holding you back from your greatest dreams. So a lot of people have a fear of success. And I think that's one of those phrases that people say, I, that's not me. I like you try it on for size and you're like, no, that's preposterous. Why would anybody be afraid of success? And yet it probably operates within you. You just can't sense it because it's so small. It's so like vague and confusing. You don't even experience it as a fear of success. You just experience it as but I maybe don't want this after all. That's how it kind of shows up in your life. So I would say lean into areas where you feel like maybe you don't want this after all. Like what are the confusing areas of ambivalence in your life? Um, I have a journal prompt for you if this is interesting to you. So here's the journal prompt. This is for you to reflect upon. Prompt number one. Are there areas that I am resistant that I might be working against my ultimate goals? When shit needs to change, what are areas of my life that the change seems harder and more difficult to me? What are changes that I write off often? And I would say leaning into these moments, like where you find yourself being like, no, I don't want that actually. No, that sounds too hard to me. Like highlighting those areas in yourself and then really leaning into them and kind of pushing yourself to explore them. Because often ambivalence or fear shows up as that just seems hard. That just seems like it's too much work. It's like our fear gets veiled in like a lack of motivation. So In general, moments of change feel the most dangerous to us. 
and they feel the most difficult to us because they're just new. That's it. Our brain wants what's familiar regardless. So by looking at it as um, something that allows us to grow and pushing ourselves into it, we can actually create the most dramatic positive change in our lives because it's really about becoming conscious about the mislabeling or the, you know, the misinterpretation of something in our lives. Maybe you don't, maybe you do want to do it, but you're just afraid. It's like kind of untangling those layers. I have a similar kind of thing in my life that I'm leaning into that's like, I have a fear of being public or being like too, um, I guess, seen. I don't know how to, to really describe it other than like um, exposure, public exposure. And I don't mean like <laughs> mooning people. I just mean like there's some weird layered fear of like popularity, I guess. And that is obviously working against my goal of reaching the most people. So it's like I have to consciously lean into that continually. Anyway, hope that helps. Exercise number four is called monster truck rally or car show, whichever you prefer. So this exercise is really about looking under the hood of yourself and others, computers or engines. So I, I want you to think of the brain as having, as being like an engine, a car engine that has transmission. And that is wired and shaped and built by our upbringing. And then it's also reshaped and honed by our experiences and therefore our expectations of the next experiences. So in simple terms, you have a gas pedal and you have a brake. And the gas is when you are uh, being aggressive or extroverted and when you are vying for attention and when you are defending yourself, fighting for yourself. And the brake is when you are shutting down and you're internal and you are uh, leaving your body, zoning out, dissociating. So we all have like, you know, a very clunky um, brake and gas that are working in tandem throughout our day. In all of our experiences with everybody, we're either going, wait, what? Oh, never mind. I'm going to hide now. Wait, but ah, like all of our reactions are kind of like slamming on the brakes or we're shutting down. And sometimes people have uh, a, an engine that has both pedals being stepped on, slammed on simultaneously. So this all kind of depends on how your brain was wired at a very young age. So for example, if you were given a lot of patience and a lot of room to fail, like excessive love and support from parents, your, your gas and your brake will develop pretty, in like a pretty smooth way. You're, you'll know what to press at what time and when to let off of the other one. So in other terms, we have a sympathetic nervous system and a parasympathetic nervous system. Um, and that is just when we're releasing different chemicals to push ourselves into different states. And they happen a lot of the time automatically, unbeknownst to us. So this exercise is really, I want you to keep this visualization of a car that runs in a very particular way. Some are clunkier than others. And we're driven by it very much. Um, I want you to watch, almost in third person, what your own engine does. What is your own personal reaction to something that might challenge your ego? 
What pedal is getting pushed, and is it getting pushed the hardest? Is it a light pedal? Is it a really hard slam on the gas, like full throttle? And um, I want you to also apply this visualization just to looking at other people. Because when you get to know that this is something that happens in people's brains, you you might realize this person isn't trying to be a dick. This person isn't being isn't crazy. It's just they can't even hear me. They're in a different place. It's the reason that you might realize you're not even having the same conversation with a person. Just because their motor runs so differently. It might be too jerky or too loud. So they're almost like on a different plane. Uh, and what this does is if you have kind of an innate knowledge of this, you can see how the pedals of others are working. Um, you can kind of take a, you take a step back from how it feels to receive it. It's not as personal. It's almost like you're like, oh, you're not here with me. You can't hear me right now. And you can also handhold a little bit more, including with yourself. Like you can actually start to reshape your own reactions as soon as you're aware of them. So this is really about recognizing the physical reaction that hap happens in your body when somebody pokes you. For example, um, if you have a specific trigger, you might find that your heart starts pounding. And you just even recognizing like, oh, my gas pedal just got slammed on. Like that's a signal like I just have to breathe and like let this kind of taper out. Um, and eventually the good part is they go, they, they go back to normal. The more we can practice a different type of reaction, the more we regulate the way our pedals work. Neuroplasticity, y'all. All right, exercise five. This is called label maker. So I want you to practice watching how your ego labels things, especially when it comes to things that place value on you yourself. So quite simply, you're going to scan your life for moments uh, of things that hurt you or make you feel slighted or less than. And in that moment, I want you to ask, what label did I just stick on that thing? Um, or what label are you sticking on this ego? And it, like, for example, is it, this means I'm worthless. This means I'm ugly. This means I'm fat. This means they don't like me. This means I'm not as smart as that person. We're always ka-chink, 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 sticking these very black and white, uh, often damaging labels onto actions that are completely unrelated to us. And this is really just about stepping back from the process so that we can remember, that's my computer. It's not me. So I hope those help. Um, I wanted to thank my latest sponsors because I have so many great new sponsors. Thank you so much, all of you. Uh, Wendy, huge donation. Thank you so much. Anne, another huge donation. I love you. Chrislyn. Another huge donation. Thank you for being a patron. I'm so appreciative. Andrew and Ashley, thank you for your amazing donations. And if any of you have any requests, absolutely please let me know. I know I have a couple from you already. Um, and you guys make this show possible. And I, I'm so appreciative of all of my monthly sponsors. Whenever I see your name pop up, I mentally thank you and I send you love. So I hope you can feel that. So if anyone out there is listening and this has helped you, uh, if you have the means for a donation, they really help. 
Um, and if you don't have the means, totally understand. If you could write a review on iTunes or share an episode with a friend or on Facebook even, that would be amazing as well. So in closing, I want you to know that whatever your brain says, it can be altered. I know a lot of us have computers that drive us insane. And this process of stepping back, of disengaging, is really just a way to relax that muscle twitch of separating from it and reminding ourselves, like, I don't have to complete the next 20 minutes of this thought. I can instead focus and tune into my breathing or the baby that's giggling next to me or whatever else is going on around you in your life. Because truly, there's so much more joy and there's just much more life past the thoughts. If you can give yourself breaks, I think that's a great way to have a mindfulness practice. Maybe it's a, a more achievable mindfulness practice for you right now. It's just having these little moments of checking in with your body and your, and your being and not necessarily listening to the negative thoughts. So I hope this helps. And if anyone has any questions or requests, please reach out at yaywithme.com. And as always... Don't forget to smile. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.